Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Real Deal with Chris O'Neill. Um, big week of college football that we had last weekend, I should say, uh, with a great slate of games that went down on Saturday, uh, some of which had some some playoff impl- implications. Um, so kind of the kind of the plan for today is I kind of want to run through some of those games from last Saturday, take a look at what went down, um, and some of those games were good. Take a look at what went down with those, what happens uh, to the playoff because of those games and the results. Um, I think we'll take a look, look at those and then kind of take a look at just some of the other sports, what's going on in the sports world in general. So I think first we're going to start off with Ohio State versus Indiana. This was a home game for Ohio State that they won in a pretty dominating fashion, 56-14. to 14. Uh, after a couple, three weeks there, I'd say, uh, of Ohio State looking like they struggled offensively, um, there were some questions around the run game. I think this was a, a game that uh, put some back, put some confidence back in the uh, the minds of Buckeye fans, especially going into the the latter couple of games here um, as things start to ramp up. So they they win fifty six to fourteen. I'd say probably one of the bigger points of this game was Mayan Williams. He had a couple of big runs, one of which was for a touchdown. Uh, He looked great when he was in. He looked powerful. It looked like the run game was kind of back to what it was a little more in the beginning of the season. Um, And it's it's that run game with him, I think, that uh, definitely plays into the success of at least the deep passes from C.J. Stroud uh, in the passing game. Uh, when we get Mayan Williams going, uh, you know, it just it makes everything easier. The play actions for C.J. Shroud to roll out and kind of take advantage of that defense, maybe coming up a little too much on the run to stop him. So the good news is that the the run looked a lot better with Mayan Williams back in the game. But the bad news is it looked like he went out with some sort of injury. Not exactly sure uh, what's going on there. He was definitely helped off the field. It looks like maybe a leg injury, but um, I, I have to say, like, even with that, um, there there are there's a rumor going around that he may be back. It may not be a season ending or as bad as it may have looked on paper. Um, so we'll see. Uh, other than that, uh, in the running game, we had Dallin Hayden taking a couple snaps, and I know he had a I think I believe it was his first touchdown of his uh, young Buckeye career here on Saturday. Um, coming in the fourth quarter, but he took over some of the snaps for Travion Henderson, who's also out with injury. Um, but the rumor with him is that he may be back here could as soon as next week or maybe the Michigan game. And, you know, if you're the coaching staff, I feel like you maybe lean on the half of sitting him next week and, and keeping him well-rested for the uh, Michigan game. Uh, just looking at some of the other players for the Buckeyes that kind of dominated in this matchup against the Hoosiers, uh, Xavier Johnson is kind of a, I believe he's like fourth string wide receiver right now with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba out, typically five. But he came in, had some good catches, and he had a uh, very long touchdown run, actually, um, as that depth at running back definitely played a part once Mayan Williams went down. So um, that's definitely something to keep an eye on, especially, you know, to see if Mayan can get back for the Michigan game for the Big Ten championship and, and the playoffs, you know, depending on how things go. Cade Stover, tight end, continues to impress. Uh, he had a pair, a pair of touchdowns today. 
he just finds a way to get open and then you know yards after a catch he just he just breaks tackles and shimmies off people and he's big enough that he can just kind of shed some of these smaller guys try, trying to tackle him so uh well done by him again uh i'd say a point of emphasis on marvin harrison jr i mean another career day for him heavy in targets um not exactly sure on the percentage here but he had i mean most of the catches for the buckeyes today racking up a lot of yards. Um, he had one catch right on the sideline that looks like he's going out of bounds, and he he bends his leg in some contorted fashion to get his one foot in and make a, a unreal catch, um, which looked like it was just a ball going to be out of bounds. So um, yeah, he looks great, uh, you know, it, and and good for him for making these plays and and getting to him because he's clearly a a big playmaker here on this offense, but. I think the the concern going forward with him maybe is or not so much with him as it is the rest of the offense. You know, earlier in the season, especially when the when the Buckeyes were rolling, I think a large part of that success stemmed from the fact of spreading the ball out to not just the running backs uh, and Marvin Harrison, but getting the other guys involved like Julian Fleming and uh, Amika Buka. So, um, you know, I think just uh, going forward, that's definitely something maybe to keep an eye on because when you start to play a better defense than you would see in Indiana, who's going to come up with things, um, schemes on defense or better players on defense to double-team Marvin Harrison and try to take him out of the game, you're going to need to have some of these other guys step up. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Another big thing while we're just on the topic of uh, wide receivers I'd say uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma is still out, but um, I think his return is you know still a little up in the air. But um, you know it's sounding like maybe hopeful we can get him back by the Michigan game. I don't know. We'll see. I think I think the the offense not that it's bad right now, but I think it will succeed on a much higher level uh, if he can get back. It's just another player who who's going to get separation and make. CJ's life easier, especially when you're playing uh, a better defense that's going to put more pressure, less time to throw um, on you. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, the defense today for Ohio State um, continues. A, a great run as it's looked great this year. Um, different guys kind of making plays today. It's Lathan Ransom playing safety coming down. I believe he had uh, – two sacks or maybe it was just one and he helped out on another one but great with that and he had a pump block on special teams to get the ball inside the the five yard line setting up a Buckeye touchdown so great defensive effort from him Jack Sawyer uh, on the D line putting up another uh, impressive day um, kind of maybe starting to come into getting comfortable in his role and maybe a little bit of the sophomore breakout for him um, that people are definitely expecting from him after being such a highly sought-after recruit. But, yeah, great day for him. I believe he had uh, two sacks and definitely put a lot of pressure on the Indiana quarterback. Um, last player I just want to touch on is just Cameron Babb, uh, fourth or fifth. I mean, he might be a fifth-year senior here playing wide, wide receiver, scored a touchdown today. First career touchdown after battling four ACL tears throughout his uh, his tenure at Ohio State. So just a, a good moment to see uh, success for him. Um, I know the, the broadcasting crew um, went in on it for a second and, and just talked about 
him and what he's been through. So definitely cool to see. And then just kind of going over, this is a game um, where, you know, we talked about North the Northwestern game, how uh, weather played such a big factor and maybe contributed to some of the struggles of that Buckeye offense. There was a little bit of snow at the beginning of this game, and, and you know, I think the good part of this is that it didn't seem to slow down that, uh, that Ohio State offense too much. So, you know, as we get into these, these last two games here, Maryland and uh, Michigan for Ohio State, uh, you know, weather's definitely a factor when you play football uh, in the north. And so, uh, you know, being able to be a team that's able to play in the warm and the cold is definitely a factor here in the Big Ten. So, um, yeah, definitely an idea, something to keep an eye on definitely going forward. Um, I know people, there was questions about if this team can throw and have the same level of success in, um, you know, less than optimal weather environments. But I, I think they did a good job today, and, you know, maybe that gives some hope for them um, come when it's time to play Michigan and it's probably, you know, this weather or potentially worse, you know, as, as the season goes on. Okay, next, next game to take a look at, Alabama at Old Miss. Uh, Alabama wins 30-24. to 24. Uh, You know, this was a big game for Ole Miss. This was them kind of determining their own destiny in terms of the SEC championship and the in the college football playoff um and they they lose so that that uh with a win from LSU that helps LSU to clinch the SEC East and they will be going to play Georgia in the SEC championship so the dream is the dream is over for Old Miss this year um but still a great game uh well played against uh even though not maybe a Bama on a down year. It's still, still Alabama. So definitely a well played game. Uh, the one thing I have to say about this Lane Kiffin offense is the the timing from this offense when it comes to the time in in between plays. Um, I believe they're either first or second in college football in terms of the least amount of time in between plays, with averaging something like twenty seconds, which is. Um, you know, definitely part of their game plan for any week, but definitely something uh, Alabama seemed to struggle with here this week. Uh, Jackson Dart looks like a pretty solid quarterback. Uh, didn't have too many mistakes, one here or there, but um, overall, good game from him. Um, Bryce Young, you know, gets the win, but doesn't look great. You know, he makes he he made a handful of passes and. He does a great job of extending plays and scrambling out of the pocket, but um, you know, not a not a whole lot of deep passes here from from Bryce Young um, in that game. Something I think is which is maybe why this Bama offense struggles a lot more than it did last year in terms of putting up points. Last year they had a guy like Jamison Williams who very fast get down the field, um, get a lot of separation, and you know when you have a run game. Uh, in a powerful O-line like Bama, and you got to stop that. And and then you have Jamison Williams as a threat downfield like that. It sets up a lot of deep balls um, and sets up those home run plays. But they don't, they don't really have a guy like that this year. So a lot of, you know, short passes, medium passes, a lot of uh, quick, uh, you know, horizontal passes to the side, setting up screens, um, not so much of a down downfield attack, which uh, – you know, it's definitely limited to them and what they can do this year. 
And so just talking while on the subject of Bama here and talking about their struggles this season and, you know, it gets tossed up in the air a lot with, especially with Saban being older and, and, you know, you know, at some point he's got to retire, right? You know, is this the end of Saban? And and I would say no, definitely not. Um, I know this is a, a down year for Bama, but at the end of the day, if you look at the record, they only have two losses and there are two, you know, two good, good teams. Um, but, um, you know, this, it, it, does this mean the end of Saban? I don't think so because, the, first of all, the, the games that they did lose were close. And, and even though the, there was three more games, they have five games in total, which they have lost by one score, which, you know, those are close games. And um, in the past, we've seen those are games that Bama typically dominates. And, you know, maybe the only time there's close games are when it comes to a college football playoff and they're really playing the best of the best. But... You know, Tennessee is that best of the best this year. They they are a very good team. And even though some of the other game, these other games are close, it doesn't feel like Bama's far off from being back where they were. You know, it might take a new coaching hire on defense, a new offensive coordinator, and, you know, the next wave of recruits to come through um, or the next wave of the freshmen who aren't playing now to, to fill in some of the roles of the guys who leave. And this Bama team could be, you know, right back to where it was. I would compare this to Clemson, where you feel like, okay, uh, down a year, even though they only have one loss, potentially still in the college football race. I don't know. We'll see. doesn't really seem like it right now, but I'm sure there's paths. Um, you know, it seems like, okay, this you haven't had this level of success when it comes to You see them playing ACC teams and – there's close games and they're struggling and it doesn't seem like the Deshaun Watson Clemson, the, the Trevor Lawrence Clemson. So um, that's definitely something to uh, where, you know, you wonder what's happening at Alabama. I would say, you know, you feel a little better about Alabama being able to bounce back from a year like this. When you look at Clemson, where are they next year? You know, like is DJ back? Is he going to be the starter? Um, who are those playmakers like Travis Etienne and, uh, uh, you know, the guys downfield like a Hunter Renfro? You know, you don't really see that as much. So that's just something to keep on on the mind as you think about like the college the college football landscape in general and the environment, like where these teams are headed up or down. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, we got. Michigan versus Nebraska this past weekend. Michigan dominates 34-3. to uh, This is a game that did have a little snow, kind of like the Buckeye D, uh, game, uh, just in the beginning, not a whole lot. But, you know, um, Michigan didn't, didn't really waver in this one. Defense looks consistent. You know, they have one of the top-ranked top defenses this year. Um, and they look good. They look good against Nebraska. Definitely made them work, you know, kind of shut pretty much, I'd say, almost all aspects of the game down, maybe besides uh, a lot of running by the Nebraska QB Purdy. The big plays seemed to come when he ran the ball. Um, you know, there's a couple downfield passes, but uh, overall defense looked good. You know, the the talk about their defense is that they haven't truly been tested by a, a good offense per se. And I think that's the question that's only going to be answered from the Ohio State game here in two weeks. Um, 
so you know this is uh this is something where you know you don't know what you have necessarily until until you get tested by a, a true offense and maybe the same goes for that for uh, for that Ohio State offense in terms of you know have they been tested by a true defense? You know, they they played Notre Dame and they played Penn State, but, um, you know, the, the strongest defense they're going to see all year is definitely going to be this Michigan defense. So it'll be interesting to see how how those two stack up against each other. Just going along with this uh, game, obviously a uh, playmaker for Michigan is going to be Blake, Blake Corum at running back. I haven't watched a whole lot of him this year, but, uh, you know, after watching this game, um, I just have to say he's a smaller guy, not not like too small, but small guy. He's got definitely got a low center of gravity, very fast, very shifty, um, which makes any running back good, right? But man, their their offensive line just uh, bullies <laughs> bullies defensive lines and gives him a lot of big holes and sets up maybe some of the outside runs as well. Um, so that's the, something that teams are going to have to prepare for from, from Michigan here. And especially, you know, again, I'm going to go back to this Ohio State-Michigan uh, heavyweight matches is coming up here. But, you know, you know late, in the, late in the year, tough environment, the, uh, you, you know, you got to be able to stop a run game like that. And uh, that'll be tough. That's how Ohio State lost last year, and you know they're going to have to do something about that this year, especially with Blake Corum. Uh, just at wide receiver, Ronnie Bell, he looked good, um, pretty quick, and definitely uh, physical. He's he's a guy who's breaking tackles after the catch, um, getting more yards. Someone you can't really whiff on. JJ McCarthy, a quarterback, he he made some good throws, um, but I think they kind of limit him. They don't let him, you know, experiment too much with what he can do and, and what his talent is. They kind of play conservative with him. But I think his real danger, um, which I didn't see too much up and down the field, but i definitely say in the red zone, especially when you get close within five yards, is his ability to scramble, and especially with his speed and shiftiness, scramble to the sides uh, to score touchdowns. And that's something uh, Michigan's doing well right now. Uh, I'd say the big thing about this team, this Michigan team, uh, if you have questions about them and um, you know how they're going to shape up here going forward uh, at the end of this season, uh, I'd say they make you pay. You know they're tough. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna play pretty consistent. Uh, I'd say on offense they have a lot of guys breaking tackles. So you know I think the key here for you know Ohio State or who may play, whoever may play them in the playoffs is you, you can't sell out on tackles on risky tackles you know to make a big you know make them lose yardage whereas you could just tackle them at the line of scrimmage or something I'd say maybe don't sell out on those those tackles um, because these are the guys that are going to make you pay they're going to shed shed these light tackles off and then pick up another five to 15 yards you know and and go down the field so this is a team you gotta you kind of got to stand them up you got to stand up this offense um and stop them in their tracks instead of trying to get too fancy. So that's the deal with uh, Michigan versus Nebraska. Moving on to TCU at Texas was another game with playoff implications here. TCU on the road wins 17-10. to 10. Um, You know, this was a uh, – I mean, TCU came into this game, right, as an underdog, and um, – while they didn't impress, you know, this is a, a good road win for TCU. It, it keeps them undefeated, keeps them in the college football playoff contention. 
as we saw by the rankings that came out on Tuesday. They still hold that four spot. Um, and, you know, Max Duggan just leads this team. Um, I'd say on the Texas side of things, Quinn Ewers uh, definitely made some bad decisions and then had some mistakes on top of that with fumbling the ball and, and missed snaps. Um, didn't look great. Um, and I'd say overall, both of these offenses struggled, especially early on. I'd say TC, so TCU's touchdowns came kind of from busted coverages, one um, with a guy wide open in the end zone, the other one on a run that, uh, you know, the safeties just came too far forward and committed um, and couldn't get outside to stop the running back. So, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, TCU found a way to win, and their running game definitely looked like it was the better part of their offense last Saturday. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they stack up against uh, one of these other teams in the playoff. Um, you know, there's questions about are they on the same level as the other teams or is it going to be like Oklahoma when they get into the playoffs and just get blown out? Um, we'll see. Um, the one other thing I'll say about this is their defense held uh, Bijan Robinson, the running back from Texas, to 12 carries for 29 yards. And uh, this is a highly, highly rated running back that was in – you know, top three Heisman contention last year. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, perks to be taken or, or plus sides to be taken away from this game for TCU last Saturday. Um, and, you know, all they can do is continue to win and, and control their own destiny. So, you know, until until they lose, I think they're in this playoff. Um, but uh, – even for people who don't think that they can stack up against some of these other teams, um, I, you know, they're doing everything they can do in their, in their conference, um, putting them themselves in the position to, um, to go out and play uh, for the Big 12 championship and, and most likely, if they stay undefeated, the uh, college football playoff. So that'll be interesting. So just moving on to the college football playoff race and, kind of look at I know we've touched on some but look at what we got going forward here obviously the heavyweight battle here is OSU versus Michigan uh, here in two weeks after Thanksgiving uh, it's in Columbus again it's going to be this Michigan toughness versus Ohio State skill and, and can Ohio State match that toughness is weather going to play a factor snow wind rain um, the cold um, you know it's all this game is always after Thanksgiving. So, you know, both teams have been here before. They were here last year, and it's going to see, um, you know, which one of these teams adapts to the other's strengths and, and maybe doesn't give up on their weaknesses as much. Now, um, on the subject of these two teams, obviously Ohio State is ranked number two right now, Michigan ranked at three. Is there a road for both of these teams to get into the, uh, the college football playoff? Because obviously the winner – of the regular season game is going to go to the Big Ten Championship in Indianapolis, and a win there would put them in the playoffs. Can the loser get in? And um, I'd say with um, kind of how things have shaken out this year, I think there there is a path for that to happen. Uh, some other thing, it's not a control your destiny it's thing. It's a uh, some other things need to happen because obviously the loser can't go to the Big Ten Championship. So I'd say that in order for that to happen, um, for the loser of this game to go, you need a couple things. You need uh, TCU to lose 
and probably not win that Big 12 championship because I'm not sure. They're still in contention if they, they lose maybe a regular season game but win the Big 12. Um, but it definitely helps if, if they lose, right, that Big 12 championship um, because it just, you know, the college football playoff committee does weigh those championships um, heavily when it comes to putting teams in the playoffs. So need TCU to lose and not win the Big 12. USC, who has one loss right now, would have to lose and not win the uh, not win the Pac-12 championship. And at that point, if you remove those two teams, which likely that loss and not having the championship would put them out of contention, um, I think this opens the door for for three of these teams here: a, a one-loss Tennessee, a one-loss uh, ACC champion Clemson, if they win it, right. And then this this second Big Ten team, whoever it might be. And I think, so you have Georgia at one, the winner of the Big Ten at two, and these three and four spots. And I think Tennessee definitely gets one of them, barring any loss here, but I, I don't think they'll lose the rest of the season. I think you put Tennessee in three with the way they've played this year and their only loss coming from number one, Georgia. And then... You know, it's kind of a toss-up there between the Big Ten team and the one-loss Clemson. I think um, if you were to put the better team, I think it's going to be the Big Big Ten loser, right? But, um, you know, we've seen with the first playoff rankings that came out this year and, you know, just general college football, um, you know, opinions in general when it comes to a team like Clemson, who again, who has been in the playoff before has had success in the playoff before and you know hasn't had the greatest year and has struggled clearly struggled but their one loss being to Notre Dame on the road and then they're the ACC champion I think that could weigh in pretty heavily here and putting them ahead of the Big Ten loser um so you know I that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out I personally think that the the Big Ten team would probably be the better. I think either of those teams would easily beat Clemson this year with the way that Clemson has struggled. But, um, you know, it, it comes down to the committee, and obviously they, they weigh pretty heavily with those uh, with those conference championships. So I think that helps Clemson here with their, with their playoff bid, even though they have fallen in the rankings a little bit. Um, let's take a quick look at USC here. They're at 9-1. and one. It's the last hope for the Pac-12 to get a team in this year. Um, Oregon losing this weekend to Washington, <laughs> again, is just another example of the Pac-12 eating themselves alive and by doing so, usually taking away their chances at getting into the playoff. Um, USC, you know, they, they only have one loss right now, but uh, their next three games are going to be tough. They got uh, a 5-2 and two ranked UCLA team on the road. Um, and UCLA is playing pretty good right now. They then host Notre Dame, which is a team that um, started off slow, you know, early in the year, but has picked up the pace here as the as the season has gone on. And this is a team that's improved, so definitely not a, a, a walk in the park for USC. And then following that up with the Pac-12 championship, likely against Oregon or Utah. Um, again, not easy teams to play against, especially Oregon. Even though they have two losses, they've been playing pretty well this year. So definitely probably the toughest road here for USC to get in. Um, 
with with just their strength of schedule coming up and um, three weeks in a row. So, um, you know that we'll see what happens. But this could be another year without the Pac-12 in the playoff, and it's because they they just um, beat themselves up too much. They they don't have that one team that can stand out in their conference, kind of like the ACC has Clemson. Right now, Big Ten has Michigan or Ohio State, Bama, Georgia from the SEC. So um, they don't really have anyone like that. So this is usually what ends up happening. Um, last game we'll take a quick look at here was uh, – or, sorry, the team we'll take a look at is LSU at 8-2. and two, And can they be the first two-loss team to make it in the playoff? And we talked about how they're – uh, they're clinched the SEC East and will face Georgia in the SEC Championship. They have to play Texas A&M uh, at Texas A&M um, here in the next couple of weeks before that championship game. Um, and you know A&M on a down down year, but you know definitely a tough environment to play with on the uh, in on the road. So um, they got to do that first, and then they're going to play Georgia in the SEC Championship and. They can, you know, they control their own destiny. If they win that SEC championship, I think they make a real statement on being the first two-loss team allowed in the playoff uh, for beating that number one team. Maybe it has to be in dominating fashion. I'm not sure, but uh, I think that's definitely a real possibility for LSU uh, here at eight and two, and with an SEC championship, I think that puts them uh, in pretty good contention there. So that kind of that kind of wraps it up for the. Uh, college football landscape and, and what's going on and what to expect here in the next couple of weeks. Um, just want to quickly dive into a couple things going around, going on in uh, the world of sports. I like, I like talking around about some of these things, some of the other sports, you know, we talk about football a lot, but it's good to uh, go around and uh, see what's going on with some of the other sports in the, uh, in the industry. So I guess just starting off with the UFC, uh, with the card last weekend, the main card uh, being uh, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. And uh, Adesanya, who is a uh, champ, has been for a while. I forget what his streak he's been on for holding onto his belt, but he gets TKO'd in round five by Pereira, um, which was definitely a uh, definitely an upset and a shocker. He uh, you know he's winning that fight the whole way, and uh, Pereira just rocks him in the fifth round and um it, what's kind of crazy to me and which is kind of cool is that uh Pereira is now seven and one in the UFC um and is uh, is the champ uh you know he had other experience in some of the other MMA uh uh whatever you call it, leagues and you know he's not just a, a newbie but for coming in to the uh, the UFC very quickly, uh, taking the uh, the belt is is pretty cool, and how fast he did that. So uh, that was definitely a shocker uh, in the UFC last weekend. Um, then turning to Sunday, which was the Brazilian Grand Prix for Formula One, Mercedes George Russell takes home the, uh, Mercedes' first win of the year, um, with Mercedes coming in one two, Lewis Hamilton coming in second. Um, you know, I think right at the beginning of the race, uh, Verstappen, I think they said actually before the race that Verstappen was saying that the, the Red Bull cars just didn't have the pace 
to compete with Mercedes this weekend, which is interesting because, you know, they've been ahead of them every race this year. So I think that maybe changes the conversation into the level of competition, uh, maybe going into next year um, between Mercedes, Red Bull, and if Ferrari can get their get their act together, maybe we'll have three fighting for a championship instead of just Red Bull running away with this year. But uh, interesting with Mercedes taking home their victory this weekend. Another interesting point, uh, Kevin Magnussen racing for Haas uh, took pole uh, in the qualifying on, uh, I believe it was Friday because they had a sprint race on Saturday. Takes pole, and he's the first, uh, I guess Haas is the first American team to hold take pole in qualifying uh, since it was last done by an American team in 1975. So it's been a while, and that was a pretty pretty cool moment for him and for the uh, the American team Haas. Um, last bit of drama from that race, which could set up a little drama here for the last race of the year in uh, Abu Dhabi or, you know, potentially next season, is Max Verstappen not giving P4 to Sergio Perez, his teammate, in the last lap of the Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, he was told over the radio to give the uh, position to Sergio uh, so that Sergio could build his points here going into the last uh, race of the season to take uh, number two in the rankings above Charles Leclerc at Ferrari. So uh, Max did not give it up to him, and he said over the radio that he had his reasons for not giving up the spot. People are kind of speculating that this is coming from the Monaco race earlier this year in which uh, Checo, uh, Sergio Perez, um, was in qualifying and spun out in the last lap while Max was on his flying lap behind him to cause a yellow flag and end the qualifying session, giving him the pole position for the race on a track that typically there's not much, if any, overtaking because of how narrow it is. So um, that people are speculating that that could be the reason. So any, anyways, it's just a little bit of drama to add to the end of the year um, with the racing and maybe set up a little teammate drama for next year between Sergio and Max. Finally, just going over, uh, you know, NFL from the weekend, and, and pretty much the big takeaway is the game between the Vikings and the Bills, probably game of the year. Uh, uh, you know, Vikings mount a great comeback drive. Jefferson looking like the best wide receiver in the league, uh, making an OBJ-like catch to keep the drive going. Um, finally, the the Vikings get all the way down to the goal line and get stopped in fourth and goal, fourth and inches, really. Um, Bill's defense steps up, and then Josh Allen fumbles. Fumbles the snap, uh, and then into the end zone, and the Vikings score, setting up overtime um, because then the, Bill, the, the Bills are down three. Uh, they drive down the field to go to overtime with a field goal, and then uh, they lose by a field goal uh, and in overtime with a Josh Allen interception, but easily, easily uh, – a great game and probably game of the year. Very entertaining to watch. And, uh, yeah, hopefully more games like this going forward, especially as the season goes on and these, these good teams start playing each other a little more. So, um, that was a lot of fun to watch this weekend. So that's, that's it for this episode. Um, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Um, uh, going to try to be a little more consistent here. Try to get this out on Wednesday, Wednesday nights, and uh, appreciate you listening. And, uh, yeah, make sure you tune in next week to The uh, the Real Deal here with Chris O'Neill. Thanks.